0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am your host, Hayden Grove, joined as always by our Cavaliers beat reporter, Mr. Chris Fedor. And today, the Cavaliers are a couple days removed from Media Day. Um, And we definitely want to get into that. Uh, But today, the Cavaliers held practice. So, Chris, early impressions of practice uh, from you at this point?
1: Yeah, not a lot. Um, It seems like the energy is high. It seems like the communication is up. Um, J.B. Bickerstaff obviously said it's the early days and, you know, they're installing some new things at both ends of the court. They want their offense to be a little bit different than what it was last year. So early on, it's about trying to get the new guys acclimated, get them to understand the things that they want offensively and defensively. And for the guys that that were already there, it's about getting them comfortable and adjusted to some of the stylistic changes that the Cavs are trying to make?
0: Um, I guess the 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 thing that I, I want to get into is for most of this podcast is not necessarily about practice. Um, Obviously, uh-huh. practice <laughs> just starting, but just some of the media day takeaways. Um, You were there for media day. I was there for ta- media day. Um, yeah. Cavaliers were all there for media day, obviously. So what were your kind of big takeaways? I know that you, you were asking the question, you know, what is the next step? Was there anything else that really, you know, caught your eye, or is there anything else you really honed in on um, for Media Day?
1: Well, I thought it was interesting, Hayden, that some of the guys were willing to use the the championship word. Um, the sense that I got from people around the organization is that the main message mostly was about win a playoff series. And and I think that's the first goal for this organization. I think a lot of teams obviously talk championship and they have those aspirations and they have those dreams. And it's not surprising to me that Donovan Mitchell specifically was one that brought that up. Um, Max Struess brought up championship as well. Um, but, but a lot of the other guys I thought were a little bit more realistic in their assessment of what the next step is for this organization, because we've talked about this, Hayden. It's very, very difficult in the NBA to go from good to great. Um, The easier transition is bad to good. And I thought it was interesting that Darius talked about, let's just go further than what we did last year. Let's get out of the first round. Let's advance to the second round and then see what happens from there. Um, The other thing that stood out to me is that there was a phrase that a lot of people used. It's the same phrase that was used during the championship years of LeBron. Um, Kyrie used it. LeBron used it. Tristan Thompson used it. And it's about um, being comfortable in the uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And J.B. Biggerstaff addressed that a little bit yesterday after practice. And I asked him, I said, hey, in what ways as a coach are you going to try and make these guys uncomfortable during the regular season? Like, what do you feel is your responsibility to put them in uncomfortable situations? And he said, I'm going to try and break their routine. I'm going to try and test them in a different kind of way. The sense that I got in talking to the guys, either at media day or the last couple of days, is not that everything came easy for them last year. But the step that they took from going from play-in tournament team to four-seed in the Eastern Conference came a little bit quicker than anticipated and maybe a little bit smoother than anticipated. Look, the Cavs had bumps last year. There's no doubt about that. They went through stretches where they weren't playing that well. Um, JB Bickerstaff said in mid-November that they had a fat cat mentality and stuff like that. But there wasn't a lot of drama. There wasn't a ton of adversity, um, and and I think a lot of the guys felt like they needed to be tested in a different kind of way than they were going into the postseason, so that they could better handle what was going to happen to them in the postseason, and they could better handle some of the pressure, some of the adversity, some of the uncomfortable nature that comes with being in the postseason. So I think it's interesting that everybody recognizes that and they're going to try and do things throughout the course of the regular season to purposely put themselves in uncomfortable situations so that they learn how to handle those kinds of situations better.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Um That's some I mean, you're right. And like, how do you handle a regular season that? It does it's not that it doesn't matter because it does matter but like there's so many games and like you know they should they, they last year they kind of did a great job in the regular season but they they have to find a way to to challenge themselves in the regular season um for sure. Right. What stood um, out to you
1: from media day?
0: Well, yeah, I was going to say um you know uh, there wasn't a ton that stood out to me that was much like a ton different yeah. um you know, obviously Tristan Thompson being there, kind of his role is, I think, is going to be interesting. Um, Kobe Altman City could still play. I thought Kobe, you know, said it best when he said, like, you know, we're fueled from last season. Um, and okay. we're fueled from, we're fueled from what happened at the end, and like that's not how we're going to do it. That's not how we want to be. We want to be better than that. Um. Yeah, it it there wasn't really that much for me to take away, to be honest with you. Um, You know the Evan Mobley stuff with the with you know with the kitchen or the the (laughs) the the, private uh, chef, yeah, the private chef and all that. Like he didn't look that much bigger to me. I mean, I don't know, maybe this, maybe it's just kind of something that he'll have to continue to work on. Um, It's a great, it's a really good question. I I think I think the, the one of the things that that I that stood out was you know Donovan Mitchell saying that. Um, You know, he wasn't going to sign a contract extension this off season, but next season, you know, it's very much a possibility. Um, yeah. I was saying, though, that um, that with Donovan Mitchell specifically, I think it does hinge a lot on what happens this year. I think, you know, if things go really well this year, then I think he could be very much eligible for an extension. But if things for whatever reason don't go well, then, you know, they might be in a situation where an extension is not going to be on the table. Um, But I did think it was interesting that he mentioned multiple times that they could do it next offseason. So that definitely seems like if he has a plan to have an extension, that's going to be next season.
1: I'm glad you brought up Donovan because because I think we need to talk about this. Yeah. Um, Because this is a fascinating conversation. Look, maybe his future is not in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Maybe Donovan goes somewhere else. New York in particular. Mm hmm. But if we're talking about guys in this kind of environment um, and what we want from those players, the collective we, what we want from those players, what fans want from those players. Mm-hmm. Like Donovan is doing everything he possibly can to quiet the noise, right? And endear himself to Cavs fans and ingratiate himself into the community. So like, I don't, like, I understand where the narrative comes from. I do. It's Donovan Mitchell. A lot of people have always looked at him as somebody who wants a big market, a big market player. His love for New York is well-documented, but he has done nothing. He has said nothing other than how happy he is in this situation. And his actions back that up. So I don't know why people continue to try and tell Donovan that he's unhappy or continue to try and tell Donovan that he's not doing enough to show Cavs fans that this is where he wants to be. He is doing everything that you would want from a superstar. He is fully committed to this team. He organized two Players' um, voluntary workouts before training camp, something that he had never done before. Um, One of them was in Miami. The other one was in Connecticut, um, where he lives. It was also part of his 27th birthday. Um, He has been in constant contact with the Cavs coaching staff throughout this offseason, talking about stylistic changes, usage, um, and Donovan's role. He has been in constant contact with Darius Garland and they formed a tighter bond. They've talked about the playoff series loss. They've talked about sharing leadership responsibilities. And Donovan recruited Max Struess and George Niang and Ty Jerome this offseason. So he has been heavily involved in like everything you would want from a superstar player. And yet, no matter what he does, no matter what he says this won't go away <laughs> it's amazing to me it,
0: it, it, chris there's a reason it won't go away because it's Why? not because go- he
1: won't sign an extension
0: no because he still because it, it he hasn't put it away and, like, and,
1: and he can't I, at this point there's nothing God. that he can do to put it away i disagree yeah, what, what can he, could, he do?
0: Yeah, I think he could flat out say, "I'm not going to New York. I'm I'm stick. I'm staying here for the for the you know for the long haul, and you know I'll sign the extension when it's ready." He could.
1: He can't say that. Why? He can't because he doesn't know what next season's going to look like. He doesn't know what this team is going to look like. Players his caliber cannot back themselves into a corner like that, because I, the minute right. that they say something like that and they change their mind because they're human beings and they have the right to change their mind. It's held against them. Ask LeBron.
0: I, I'm just saying he could. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm not saying he should. I said he could, though. I mean, in a, in a perfect world, he could. And then fans wouldn't hold it against him. But again, you're right. that he, he, he realistically cannot, but he could, but he won't. So I'm just being devil's advocate. I'm being a pain in the ass. But... I think the thing, Chris, is that you know, you're right. He has done everything to prove and to prove that he's all in for this year. I don't, I don't, I don't have to. I guess my, my thing is like I don't, I don't foresee why he has to be anything but all in this year. Like, why does he have to be all in for the future? Like, if if he wants to go to New York, then let him go to New York, and um, you know, and the Cavaliers will you know have next offseason. if he doesn't want to sign an extension, then they can trade him. I mean, that's kind of the nature of the beast. Um, yeah. I was telling I was telling I was on a show the other day and I was looking at a picture of Bernie and said, you know, if I was a professional athlete, I would, you know, in 99 percent of the cases, I would have pulled a Bernie. I would have I would have rigged myself to end up in Cleveland because that's where I want to be. That's where I love. And I feel like Donovan feels the same way. So I don't I'm not going to fault him if he wants to be in New York. I'm not going to fault him if that's, you know, his ultimate dream is to play there. So, like, it's up to the Cavs to make the most out of the situation. And if things don't, if things, if he wants to go to New York, it's up to them to find out. It's up to them to trade him. You know, that's the ultimate. It's not his op. It's not his, um, it's not his onus. You know, he doesn't have any loyalty to Cleveland per se. Like, the, the Cavs traded for him. He didn't ask to come to Cleveland. He just, right. he was part of the trade that brought him here and said he's going to give his all to the organization while he's here. Um, but it's up to the Cavs to make the right moves and trade him if that's where he wants to go, because they need to get something for him if he's not here for the long haul.
1: The only thing that I'm saying is that based on all of his actions and all of the things that he has said, if 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 people didn't already have a preconceived notion about Donovan Mitchell's intentions, that they've already created this endgame for him, if we were just judging it based on the things that he has said and the things that he has done, everything points to Cleveland.
0: Yes, I agree. I completely agree with that. And that's fine. And that's great. And I, again, I hope he's here for the next 10 years. He's a great player. He's a great person, great leader in the locker room. I mean, it'd be awesome. I I think that's great. But like the only person who knows in his heart, what he wants and what he's going to actually do is Donovan Mitchell. So, um, you know, we'll see. I just don't think we should be putting, I don't think Cavs fans should be looking past this year. I mean, just look at this year, look at for what it is and, and move forward. Like, you know, this isn't a LeBron situation where like, like you said, where LeBron said what he said and, you know, hometown kid, like there's none of that. There's right. none of that. So again, look at it for this year, be it for what it may. And Donovan played his ass off last year was really damn good. And if he can do the same thing this year, then you can't be mad at him for it because he's all in on what he's, if he starts loafing and and starts not playing well, okay. Then you can say, well, he's just looking in in the future, but if he's all in and he's playing his butt off for Cleveland and he's doing all the things that Cleveland needs him to do, then you got to appreciate him. I mean, that's the bottom line. You can't worry about next year and when the future, if he's giving you his all today.
1: Yeah. And the other thing, and you brought up this point, it is on the Cavs to make the rise in the Eastern Conference um, that they think they can make Yeah. so that Donovan feels like this is a situation where he can win and there isn't a better basketball-related situation out there. Maybe yeah. there's a be- better personal um, situation out there, and and that's the thing when it comes to free agency or guys demanding trades, right? There's different motivation for every person, and there are different factors in play for every person. And the things that one guy may want or prioritize are not necessarily the things that another guy may want or prioritize. So obviously, New York is always going to win the personal battle with Donovan, right? Right. It's home. Playing in Madison Square Garden is something that players around the NBA want um, it was just like LeBron, like LeBron wanted to be part of an iconic franchise like the Los Angeles Lakers. And there were, there were, um, situations in Los Angeles, um, that LeBron was able to consider quote unquote homey. So, like, yes. yeah, Cleveland was home, but he also viewed Los Angeles as home. So it was kind of like a wash, right? Um, there is there is always going to be um, a personal pull for Donovan to New York, and there's nothing that the Cavs can do about that. There's nothing that if he was playing for the Bucs, the Bucs could do about that. If he was playing for the Utah Jazz still, there's nothing that they could do about that, right? But the question is, is that pull going to override his desire to win a championship? And if his desire to win a championship is going to win out, then the Cavs have to show that they're better than the Knicks, right? The Cavs have to show that they're on the same level with the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics and uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. And it's it's something that we've talked about before. Guys who are quote-unquote disgruntled or guys that ask for trades, usually, there are obviously um, exceptions to every single rule, but usually they don't play for the top-tier teams and ask out of those situations. You know, James Harden is a very, very interesting, different case. Kyrie Irving was a very, very interesting and different case. But, like, if Portland would have been winning at the highest level and Dame thought that that was his best chance to, to compete for championships, then he probably wouldn't have asked out the same kind of way. So if the Cavs take the rise that, you know, some people internally believe that they can take, then it's going to be harder for Donovan Mitchell to walk away from this kind of situation.
0: Right. And like you said, that's on the caps. That's that's totally right. I mean, again, last year there were, you know, that's I'm not saying I'm just saying that, like, there were moves to potentially be made at the deadline and they were not made. And like, I'm not saying that they didn't try. I'm not saying I'm just saying they didn't happen. But this year, again, if you want to go take the next step and you want Donovan to be part of your, you gotta be all in. You gotta be all in. Um and, and I'm not saying that they weren't all in last year, but like, you know, they, they gotta be even more so. Um, because they're they're heading into a critical mass in the state of this franchise where yes, you have a big, you know, you have your future and Darius and Evan Mobley and Jarrett, um, potentially. Um, but Donovan's a huge piece I mean he's played in an MVP level for a lot of last season so if you're the Cavs you got to make him happy and winning is going to make him happy and you know losing in the first round is not going to make him happy so you got to do everything you can to get there and I think a lot of that is on guys like Jared Allen guys like you know Darius Garland guys like guys like Donovan Donovan was a big reason that you know they didn't win that series he did not play one whatsoever so
1: and he will admit that too.
0: Right. He will. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. It's going to just be a very interesting thing. But I think if you're a fan, you just got to take it night in, night out, game in, game out, and just focus on this year. You know, if Donovan's playing his butt off, appreciate that. And the Cav- if I would guess that if Donovan's playing his butt off, the Cavaliers are going to win a lot of games. <laughs> that would just be my guess. Right.
1: I'll also say this. Donovan is happy with the Cavs. Yeah. Donovan yeah. is happy with the situation. Yeah. Donovan does have a high belief in this team's chances, and that's not fabricated, right? He truly believes that Evan Mobley can be, you know, a difference-making player as he continues to evolve. He truly believes that him and Darius Garland together can be, if not the best backcourt in the NBA, one of the best backcourts in the NBA. He truly does believe that Max Struess, and that's why he recruited Max and George, those two guys together are going to make things easier on everybody on the offensive end, easier on Donovan, easier on Darius, because they're going to create space. They're going to occupy defenders. They're going to get a level of attention that some of the other guys that, um, the Cavs put in their lineup next to their main, um, players. Um, they just don't. Isaac Okoro, Karis LeVert, Jetty Osman, Lamar Stevens, those other guys didn't command the level of attention that some the new guys will. Um, so everything that I saw from Donovan, everything that I saw from him last year points to a guy who is very, very happy in his situation and has a high level of belief um, in what this organization can accomplish.
0: Yeah. Listen, I don't think Donovan has any ill will towards the Cavs. I don't. I, I that is one hundred percent. I agree with you. I think that Donovan really appreciates the organization. They've done a great job of getting players around him to be better. Uh, you know, put him into a great situation to begin with with Dar- with Darius and and Evan and Jared. And you know, now they bring in Max Struess and you bring in you know, um, uh, you have Karis Levert back. I mean, I think it's a great situation. But yeah. sometimes I. Th- I just, for whatever reason, I, I don't believe any of it's going to be strong enough to, the only thing that, like I said, the only thing that's going to keep him more so than than anything else is winning. Um, he's not going to bail on a winning situation. So if they can make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, or they can make it to, you know, the second round and have a really tough series, then yeah, then I think he, he'll stay. Otherwise, I think he is going to want, you know, to be elsewhere.
1: The other thing to consider here is that, you know whatever team whatever team may appeal to Donovan that team may not have the assets that would appease the calves if they want to go down that road um and if they feel like they have to go down that road and orchestrate a trade right right like he doesn't have a no trade clause um he hasn't reached the same kind of level as somebody Like Damian Lillard or Joel Embiid, if he asks out of Philadelphia, or Giannis, if he were to ask out of Milwaukee, right? Like Donovan hasn't accomplished the same things as those guys. He isn't on the same standing as some of those guys. And that's something to consider as well. Um, Dame wanted to go to Miami, he didn't go to Miami, right? So like player empowerment is something that we've talked about a lot in the NBA, and it exists, But I wonder if the Dame situation, who knows what's going to happen with Harden if he doesn't get his way. I wonder if NBA teams are going to start to push back a little bit more. And even if a guy wants to go somewhere specific, or he just wants to be out of his situation, that teams are going to say, okay, we'll work with you to a point. Like you have power, To a point. You know what I mean? So there's no guarantee, like, if Donovan wants to play for the New York Knicks, like, if that's something that he always wants in his career, his only way, in theory, his only way to guarantee that is to sign with them in the offseason when he becomes a free agent in the summer of 2026.
0: Right. You're, You're right on a lot of this, but I think the funny thing is that where this is preseason yeah. practice number two and we're already talking. I mean, the reality huh. is there's not that much else to talk about. I mean, again, it's just a matter of, you know, we haven't even seen these guys in the court yet. Like, you know, once we start to see them on the court, then there's more to talk about. But um, other the other take- thing what that we-
1: I'll say is the reason why he is not signing this extension is something that Giannis addressed in Milwaukee as well. It does not make financial sense for Donovan to do this right now right he he has an opportunity by waiting to make more money get an extra year on his contract and who knows what's going to happen with the salary cap but when the new tv deal kicks in the salary cap you think is going to rise and his contract would be worth more so this idea that because he's not signing um his extension right now it means that he wants out of cleveland or he's definitely going to leave Cleveland at some point in time, that is flawed. Like, this is a very, very smart business decision for somebody who is in the prime of his career, coming off an MVP caliber season, coming off a career year, coming off a season where he was named an Eastern Conference All-Star starter, an All-Star starter for the first time in his career. Somebody like him with that kind of profile should not be signing an extension this off season. Somebody like Devin Vassell for the San Antonio Spurs, when he has an opportunity to make $150 million or get that kind of contract, like he signs that. If Isaac Okoro gets a big fat contract extension in front of him, and I don't think it's going to happen, but if he were to, then he would be very, very wise to sign it. Any smart agent, any smart businessman would tell Donovan Mitchell, do not sign an extension right now. It does not make business sense.
0: Yep, I completely agree. I completely agree. I could not agree more. And uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, there's so much more than just Donovan. I mean, I, I just, I, I think that we want to get, a, like, obviously being a podcast and talking about things Cavs, like it's definitely yep. something that is still going to be on our mind and is probably going to still be on our minds till next offseason, no matter what happens this season. But I think the reality is that basketball... Um, you know, they're gonna play the season, they're gonna play their hardest. Donovan's gonna play his hardest. Um, was there anyone that like physically or like with what they said, like really impressed you yesterday that was maybe uh, um, you know, different than what you thought they would come in as? Or like did Jared Allen did he did he seem bigger to you, or was there any specific difference to like to make you think that okay, maybe this guy this season will be even better than he was last year?
1: I think Darius came in with a different kind of attitude, honestly.
0: Yeah, he came Um, at you a little bit. (laughs)
1: Well, yeah, but him and I have that kind of relationship.
0: Right, I know. And he'll even say it.
1: I I think he said it on another podcast that he was doing during media day. He said, Chris is my guy. We have that kind of relationship where we go back and forth at each other. And we do. Like, Darius is the only player on the Cavs roster that has held my son. Like, that's the kind of relationship... That him and I have. So we do. We go back at each other. We trade barbs. He's a very, very playful guy. Um, He gives butt smacks, right? He gives ball tappers. (laughs) He taps people on the wrong shoulder to make sure that they turn around the wrong way, right? He's he's a kid at heart, and he's very, very playful like that. But it seems like the New York loss, it was painful for everybody inside the organization. But that one, like, really, really hit Darius hard. And he was in the weight room all offseason. I do think he got bigger. I do think he got more muscular. I do think he got stronger. I think he was pissed off that he kept getting posted up by some of these other guards that played his position. I also think he understands the minute that the Cavs sign Max Strus, that chances are Struis is going to be in the starting lineup and the defensive assignments that Isaac Okoro used to take might fall more on Darius, especially if they're opposing point guards. Like he may have to deal with Trey Young. He may have to deal with Drew Holiday. He may have to deal with James Harden. Um, he may have to deal with Tyrese Halliburton. He may have to deal with Jalen Brunson. Like those defensive assignments that used to go to Isaac. Like I don't think the Cavs are going to be comfortable giving them to Max Strus. Um. I don't think the Cavs want to give them to Donovan Mitchell. I think they're going to give Darius a shot and let him guard his own position and see if he can hold up on the defensive end of the floor. And you kind of saw like that attitude from Darius. And I do think he bulked up and he put on more muscle because he was preparing himself mentally and physically for those kinds of challenges that could be coming his way this year. And I know that the Cavs had conversations with Darius about being more aggressive offensively. And that's a term that is always thrown around in the NBA. Um, But but I think it's appropriate for Darius. I think his shot attempts are going to go up. I think his three-point attempts are going to go up. And I think he looks at, he's the longest tenured member of this roster. Do you realize that? Wow, yeah. Nobody has been with the Cavs longer than Darius. And I think he looks at this as his team. I think he looks at himself as the leader of this team. And I think you're going to see a different Darius Garland this year.
0: Well, no offense to Darius, but I did not see it that way. I think the team leader in the number one is uh, is number 45. And uh, just because of his expertise and his, his, you know, he's a superstar. And Darius... Here's the thing,
1: though. Like, not every superstar is the leader.
0: Yeah, but wasn't Donovan the one that was exercising these, you know, organizing these things in the summer and all this he stuff? He was. I think, I, I just think Donovan, be, I think, isn't Donovan older too? Donovan's older,
1: yeah. yeah but he hasn't so been I, with this team as long. Yeah, right? And I, I don't know that he's going to have the same, look, he's going to have a huge responsibility when it comes to the Cavs offense.
0: He is. Yeah, yeah, no, I, Darius is definitely number two. I just think that there's an obvious, I think that Donovan is number one. Um. Probably just because of age, experience, whatnot, and Darius will get. The, again, I have no, I have nothing but respect, and and I think Darius is a great player, and I think he's only going to get better. But I just think that Donovan is your, that's your alpha. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe Darius is your alpha or co-alpha, but I think that Donovan's your, your number one. But I'm excited to see Darius this year, like last year. You know, we were all maybe expecting another all-star season. Didn't really happen. He got hit in the face a lot. He was hurt. Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> he did didn't get hit it.
1: in the face a lot. So that, I mean,
0: much. that that was that was part of the re- I, honestly, that I think that was part of the reason he didn't really have as good a year. I mean, he was getting slammed in the face. Like and he got he was hurt. Like, if he can stay healthy, I think he could be right back in the all-star conversation. Remember last year when I said the Cavs are going to have four all-stars?
1: Yeah, you nailed that one. I nailed that one. Goodness gracious.
0: They had one. Literally one. And I think they'll probably, this year I'll say they'll they'll have two. They're going to get two. I think Darius will get get in there this year. I think he's going to have a really big bounce back here.
1: The only thing that I'll say is before you start making these statements— like count the number of guys that are blocking the pathway to the other player. Evan Mobley said at media day that it's his goal to be an all-star. And I think that's a great goal to have. I do think he has that level of talent. The problem is like him getting to the all-star game is not simple. It is a math problem. Embiid is in the front court. Jason Tatum is in the front court. Giannis is in the front court. Julius Randle Mikal Bridges is going to have a huge role for the Brooklyn Nets. His usage is going to be through the roof. His numbers are going to increase in a big way. There's Bam out of Bio in Miami, right? There's Pascal Siakam in Toronto. There's Demar Derozan, who for some reason is listed as a forward, um, as a front court player on All Star balloting. Like, it's nice that these guys have these goals and ambitions. And I do think down the road, Evan Mobley is going to make his fair share of All-Star Games, but it is going to take a monster leap in terms of production for Evan Mobley to be looked at as that when the front court in the Eastern Conference is so crowded to begin with.
0: Right. Well, I didn't say Evan Mobley. I said Darius Garland.
1: Okay. So let's do the backcourt. <laughs> Same thing when it comes to the backcourt. Dame has gone from the west to the east. Jalen Brown is a backcourt player, right? They've got both guys in Atlanta with Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. Jalen Brunson in New York, Tyrese Halliburton, who's going to have a monster role for the Indiana Pacers. We can keep going at some point. I mean, do you
0: think is going to have a monster role with the Cavs? I do.
1: Not the same kind of role as Tyrese Halliburton.
0: Yeah, probably right? not.
1: Because of what you said, like, the usage for the Cavs can be a little bit more spread out. Yeah. Um, The numbers for the Cavs aren't going to be as gaudy for some of the individuals because there's enough guys that can pick up that slack. Um, Tyrese Halliburton, like, if he's not a monster for Indiana, then they're not going to consistently win. You know what I mean? Right. Like, his... His production, his overall numbers, like there's a pathway for his to just be a little bit more on the gaudy side than Darius. So all I'm saying is there are 12 all-star spots. It's a very, very tight um, window of opportunity to make the all-star team. And it's a very, very crowded Eastern
0: Conference. There was another thing that stood out about media day that I forgot. Um, Kobe Altman said it, and we've said it. You've said it all offseason. Um, the Cavaliers, you know, they got to score the basketball. Like they were yep. they were playing games in the 90s, and that's yep. what he said. He was like, you know, but defensively, we're great. Like we were yep. great. We were the best team in the league. But like got to score the basketball. And you've been saying Correct. all offseason. They would love to take a little bit of a step back defensively if they can really yep. elevate their offensive game and that's exactly what Kobe said and that's something that JB was asked about how do you how do you you know without giving away all your secrets how do you become a better basketball or better scoring team and right he didn't really give much but like he did say that like you know it's an emphasis to try to you know get the offense going and get these guys shots and and play a little maybe faster and then try to you know get up and down the floor a little more I think so you kind of I mean you nailed that from quite a while ago, and that's exactly where the Cavaliers are kind of at.
1: Because, you know, for the last couple of years, the Cavs aren't dumb for all the things that you could say about them. They're not dumb. They understand their strengths and their weaknesses. And when you're playing a front court with two non-shooters in Jarrett and Evan, you recognize that you're giving up space on the offensive end. You're giving up shooting on the offensive end. Number one, they didn't have like a whole bunch of other personnel that they could go to to get that shooting, to get that spacing, to get that offensive boost at those particular positions, right? So their best path based on the personnel that they had, they said, we're going to give up a little bit offensively. We understand that we're giving up a little bit offensively, but those two guys are terrors on the defensive end, and we think that's our best path to success. That's what a coach has to do, right? That's what an organization has to do. They have to look at their roster and say, okay, how can we put these guys in the best possible situation? How can we develop a system offensively and defensively that's going to fit best with our personnel? And they did that. But like, here's the difference. Now they have guys that can occupy those positions or other positions that can give the Cavs something different, a different look offensively, a different style offensively. So they can make different kind of lineup combinations. They can change up their rotation. Niang can play the five and the four, right? Yep. They can play a five-shooter lineup, really, for the first time um, in, I don't know, how many years. You yep. know what I'm saying? Yep. So Uh, They can play four shooters. That's not something that they could do a ton last year based on the personnel that they had. So because they have the pieces that they do, they can sacrifice a little bit defensively and understand that they're going to get a bigger boost offensively. Now that's predicated on Niang giving enough offensively, making those open shots. Same thing with Max Struess. If it gets to a point where those guys aren't doing enough offensively or holding up their end offensively, then they're not going to sit there and say, we're going to continue to run those kinds of lineups out there. We're going to change up our lineup and we're going to go more defense heavy. Right. But like based on the personnel that the Cavs had the last couple of years, they didn't have a lineup to go to that was going to be offense heavy or shooting heavy or spacing heavy. Now they can. And because they can, I think they're going to do it or try to do it anyway.
0: So now that Media Day is done, now that the practice has begun, um, what are you? What is your kind of focus? What are you um, looking at? What are what are your kind of focuses now?
1: Well, the small forward thing I think is interesting. JB is not going to give that up. Max was in the starter red, um, but but JB said, you know, yesterday for the first um, training camp practice that he wasn't doing starter type things. I think we're quickly going to understand that that job is Max's um, until he gives them a reason to take him out of that spot. Right. Um, They signed him with the attention of him being a starter. He has been informed in the past that they view him that way. He said it outright um, during his media day session that he believes he is going to be the starting small forward. That came from the Cavs to Max, right? That's part of the reason why the Cavs were appealing for him to 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 sign, um, because that opportunity is there, because that kind of role was waiting for him. Um, so obviously everything that the Cavs do is about competition and not just handing jobs to people, but they know who fits best with who. They know what's best for this offense and defense. They know what's best for this team. So I guess that's something that we can continue to follow, right? But but I do think like the biggest thing when it comes to the Cavs is just what do these offensive stylistic tweaks actually look like when you get out there on the court. In preseason, it's hard. Training camp, it's hard. It's going to take time. But there is a clear commitment from this organization and from J.B. Bickerstaff To change this offense, diversify this offense, um, disguise this offense a little bit better. Even Darius Garland said today that um, in his view, when talking about stylistic changes, it means the Cavs going away from the amount of pick and roll stuff that they ran last season. Now, you have to be careful with that because Donovan Mitchell's an elite pick and roll player. And Darius is an elite pick and roll player. And Jared Allen is an elite pick and roll player. So going away from that takes away some of the strengths of the individual players on this roster, especially in the starting five. So I don't think the Cavs can lose that completely, Hayden. I don't think they can go away from that completely. But I think it's about having that be the foundation for the team, but not have that be something that they rely on as much as they have in the past.
0: Chris, it's crazy to think about. We are less than a week away from the Cavs' first preseason game.
1: I know. um, I already booked that trip.
0: Which will be Atlanta on October 10th. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: And then we are less than – we are exactly, actually. We are exactly three weeks away. From the first game of the regular season, the Cavs take on the Brooklyn Nets on October 25th. So we are just three weeks away from this thing starting. Uh, pretty pretty quick it's going to be. So um, we're going to be ramping up the podcast. I'm sure the amount of yep. the amount that we do and um, looking forward to talking more about you know what's happening on the court rather than you know all the stuff all the stuff we've been talking about all off season um, because there's been no basketball. So. It's going to be good yeah. to be talking about basketball and about, you know, the the games these guys are playing and how they're playing and whatnot. So, yeah, looking forward to that until then, Chris, try to, you know, I know that the preseason still work, but maybe a little less than the grind of the regular season. So hopefully you got three weeks to, you know, take it a little bit easier than you normally do.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Um,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> it's a pretty jam packed schedule. And the great thing about being back at training camp and around the guys is that you can gather information, you can gather quotes, uh, you can have these sit down conversations with the guys. And for example, me covering the team, even if I don't use that stuff right away, like it's still beneficial and it's probably going to be used for a story down the road. So this is the time to like have those conversations, gather everything that you want to and I've got some pretty cool story ideas and some pretty cool story angles and features that will be coming over the next couple of weeks before the regular season tips off that I think fans are really, really going to enjoy.
0: Awesome. Well, to go check those out at cleveland.com slash Cavs. And then once you do that, once you read the story, then go to the, click the blue banner at the top of the page and then sign up for Chris's subtext because they're not going to be stories, but they're going to be all kinds of updates, analysis, news notes and straight to your phone before anywhere else 399 a month 14 day free trial all you got to do is go to cleveland.com slash calves click the blue banner at the top of the page and you'll be sent straight to chris's subtext all kinds of, like i said news analysis and straight to your phone before anywhere else when things happen so go check it out what better time to do it than with the new season starting media day behind us we are ready to rock and roll um so thank you guys for joining us like i said we'll be doing these a little more often now that the season is is here i mean there's nothing more there's nothing there it's here there's there's no more uh it's coming there's no more it's almost here no it's here the season is here so um yes regular season game regular season games haven't started yet but otherwise things are pretty much full go for the Cavs as they get ready so definitely tune in and we will talk to you soon take care thanks for joining us have a great weekend